feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Right now to see what happens because still no House Speaker in Congress. Isn't this wild? Here it is. We have been waiting now. They did an 11th vote and still they don't have the 218 needed for a consensus. Isn't that incredible? And also, by the way, Congressman Matt Gates said, you know who I think should be Speaker? Donald Trump. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but also coming up in just the next few minutes, we have Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis to give us the very latest on what is going on behind the scenes. And I want to get your thoughts. Do you think it's an exercise in democracy now that it's gone past day three and it starts day four tomorrow at noon Eastern time? Or is it an exercise in embarrassment? Where do you think this is headed? I think, first off, that it's a good thing that they're hashing out issues. They're talking, I think, the loan holdouts, the 20 or so. It's good they're talking about fiscal responsibility. It's good they're talking about a lot of these issues. On the other hand, at some point, they have to get together to figure out who's going to be speaker, and especially if they want to get things done. Take a listen. Here is Congressman Andy Biggs, who is one of the holdouts. And this is what he had to say about now it dragging into three days. And I'm told this process is painful. It's embarrassing, I'm told. You know what it is? It's not dysfunction and it's not imperiling. What it is is the exchange of ideas an expression of support for people you want to be your leader in the next Congress. And Congresswoman Maria Salazar, who is backing McCarthy, by the way, she said just a little bit ago that she thinks that they are inching closer and closer and that potentially a number of these 20 holdouts may go over To the McCarthy side, now that he's agreed to basically one person to have a vacation, meaning not a vacation, but to vacate uh, the House speakership. It wouldn't be a vacation, certainly for the speaker, if that happens. But Congresswoman Salazar says that she thinks that this is basically just democracy and work. And she knows that in a country like Cuba, that wouldn't be happening. Take a listen. This is the blessing. It's democracy. Democracy is messy. This is bad. We were supposed to be flying out to our different districts today. Uh, We're tired. We don't eat well. We may be losing our health coverage and our salary starting tomorrow. But still, it's much better that what the Cubans, the Nicaraguans, and the Venezuelans that I represent have in their countries of origin. 
So it's it's you count the blessings, and that's what I am doing right now. It's horrible. I don't like it. It's frustrating. These 20 holdouts do not understand that they're putting in danger the political capital that the republic, the American people, put in the hands of the Republican Party. But still, they are being heard, and uh, we respect them. And if they were to be in Cuba, they would be either in jail or facing the firing squad. Wow, that sure is a contrast. At least it is democracy, certainly, in action. So will things budge? Congresswoman Salazar was saying that she thinks there is some headway being made in private discussions. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And joining us now for the very latest is the the great congresswoman from the Republican Party representing New York and, of course, the rest of America, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Congresswoman, so great to have you here. Happy New Year, Rita. Happy New Year to you, too. And boy, you guys have had a busy and boisterous last few days. Kind of take us to where you think things are right now, Congresswoman. Uh, well, I do believe that, uh, you know, the representatives from both sides are making progress. Uh, look, there's two groups of individuals within the 20, right? There are uh, those who have legitimate concerns. They they do want to see more power return to the membership, as we all do. We all want to be uh, be able to represent our districts and move and advance our legislation and have uh, a proper airing for our ideas. And then there's like two or three who are just never Kevin, will never really, uh, they're not serious. They're not, they're not really willing to uh, move forward because they're not really interested in governing. They just want to continue to, you know, get, get media, sell books and do whatever they do. Um, and so we're focused on working with those who uh, are, 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 are truly um, serious about getting to a resolution here so we can move forward. The issue is, is that for months, the, the conference has worked all together to, uh, you know, discuss our ideas of how we can make the place a better, more better functioning body. Right. We were none of us were happy with the way that Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, ran her arena. Uh, we didn't want that to happen when Republicans were in charge. Uh, and Lita McCarthy uh, has, in good faith, worked with us to hear our concerns, to incorporate our ideas, and to make changes to the House rules to make it function better. Some of the things were you know, giving us at least three days to read legislation. We don't want what Nancy Pelosi did, which was jam these thousand page, you know, page, uh, page bills down our throats, spending $1.7 trillion without giving an opportunity for us to even read it. The other thing we wanted was we wanted to make sure that the Congressional Budget Office would provide a score for um, what the impact on inflation would be for every bill that we take up. And the other thing that was requested uh, was if we're going to spend money on new programs, right, new money, somewhere. We don't want to continue contributing and adding to a $31 trillion debt that is unsustainable and is destroying our country. So the the majority, vast majority, I think almost everyone agreed on those changes and other rules changes. There's a there's a long list, um, and so the leader has been very open and honest and working with everyone uh, in in a in a, a very good way to empower the members to help us be able to advance legislation. But the point is, is w- what point do we move forward here? Now we are in the what's supposed to be the third day of session. 
and, and this is still going on and on and on. And it's dragging out to a point where it's affecting our ability to, to govern. We have bills that we've worked on for two years that we've been very eager to get to the floor for a vote. Uh, we, by now, we should have passed our Border Security Act. We should have passed my Prosecutors Must Prosecute Act to expose the rogue DAs in our country who refuse to do their job. Uh, we should have passed our bill to repeal and defund the 87,000 IRS army that Biden is attempting to put in place. Uh, we should have been able to uh, pass a bill to um, prohibit Biden from raiding the strategic petroleum reserves and even selling oil that we need in this country to China. Uh, all those things that we should have been been doing this first week. And instead, here we are um, still having uh, these, this, this 10% holding out. Uh, and it's, it's just not right that they're preventing the Congress from moving forward at this point because there's been a lot, as, as you played before, a clip from uh, Maria, a lot of, a lot of um, discussions and concessions and agreements have been made, but it's been made by the entire body. Now they're holding you know, the rest of us all, all hostage, not allowing us to move forward to do the job we were elected to do. So do you think, Congresswoman Maliotakis, that given what you just said, um, that it's a huge, a good bulk of the 20 um, are talking about obviously genuine issues, you know, power um, for more people representing their obviously constituents' interests, making sure it's not this bloated spending bill. Um, lots of noble, I think, intentions on those parts. Do you believe at least that core group that ultimately they'll be able to switch over to McCarthy and he could maybe ink it out? Or do you think it's going to go somewhere else? What's sort of your thought now? Well, my thought is, look, a lot of, as I said, those, a lot of those changes were supported by the entire uh, conference and, and are, have been added to the rules package, which we cannot adopt, by the way, until we actually have a speaker. So that's the, it's sort of like, you know, we want to make these rules changes, but we can't do it until we actually have a speaker and we are sworn in and then comes the rules vote. So um, I guess this rules list is getting longer and longer as the days go by. Um, but I do believe that, you know, there, there is an ability to get to the 218 uh, as we continue down this path. I just believe that it needs to be done sooner rather than later because, you know, we, we do need to, to, to begin to, to govern. We can't continue down this path, um, you know, for weeks or even months. I mean, this has to end. In fact, today, you know, the IRS wouldn't even help uh, our office with uh, a constituent who was a victim of, uh, of uh, identity theft uh, because they're saying we're not sworn in members. And so that's that's really disturbing on two fronts. One, that we have a group of people who are ho- holding us hostage and, and make, you know we're unable to move forward with our, our being sworn in to do our job. And the other thing is that the Biden administration would even allow this to happen. After all, they're his constituents as well. So his federal agencies should be continuing to serve those constituents uh, and the issues that they're facing. So, you know, that that, that was another added complication uh, in today. But I'm, I'm hopeful that in, you know, the next day uh, we will see some progress. We'll see uh, the needle moving more in uh, Leader McCarthy's direction and that we'll, we'll, we'll really come out of this stronger and more united.
Yeah, what do you say to the American public who's going, wait, 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 just as you said, they want to hurry up and get things done. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of people also understand the the ones that have the noble intentions and don't want this uh, bloated package shoved through, as you talked about so aptly, you know, what happened with Nancy Pelosi. It was like, oh, here's this enormous bill and nobody really gets to see it. Um, no time to read it and it just gets shoved through. And I think there are some with, with some really genuine concerns. But what do you say to the American public who's just sort of shaking their head tonight and say, hey, wait a minute, we voted the, in the Republicans because we want a divided government and we do want you to hurry up and get and you know all these different investigations like you talked about? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just as frustrated as they are because, uh, as I said, you know, we had a lot of legislation ready to go to tackle the issues that uh, were created, problems that were created under one-party Democrat rule. We want to be able to pass those bills and put them on the Senate's desk. I think this is our opportunity to show that we can govern, that we have the policy solutions. It was under Leader McCarthy's uh, direction and, and, and under his leadership that we actually put together task forces to develop and craft legislation to deal with uh, the border crisis, to deal with the the, the inflation, to deal with um, you know, energy, energy independence or the lack thereof because of Joe Biden. All these things we have been working on, and we're very eager to move this forward and put it on the Senate's desk uh, so we could show the American people that we actually have solutions and we're serious about these problems. Uh, unfortunately, this has been a tremendous setback uh, having, uh, you know, 10 percent who are who are basically holding uh, the rest of us uh, hostage here. And like I said, you know, we, we talked about some of the good government reforms and we all supported them. And we, that's why we put them in the rules package. And we want to see now, now let's move forward and actually govern. And so um, I'm hopeful that we can get to this resolution, that those members will come along and join uh, us in supporting Leader McCarthy because he's the closest to 218. Nobody else has emerged that even comes, you know, even, even touches uh, three digits, right? Everyone is, what, 20, 20 or 30 votes even today. Whatever, whoever wasn't voting for Leader McCarthy was about 20, and it was now split. Even you know, and this is the other thing: you're hearing these members, some of some of the members, nominate people who are supporting Leader McCarthy. So it just it just makes uh, a circus out of the situation when you hear members nominating Donald Trump to be the Speaker of the House, uh, who, by the way, is supporting Leader McCarthy. When you hear them nominating Jim Jordan to be the Speaker, when Jim Jordan is supporting Leader McCarthy. Um, when you hear them, uh, Kevin Hearn, another candidate that came up today, Steve Scalise, uh, same thing, McCarthy. right? <laughs> so, so it's really, it's really becoming a sideshow here. And those members who keep nominating these people who are supporting Leader McCarthy are not are not being taken seriously. Um, they've made it a a joke, and that is not what the American people sent us to Washington to do. So, I'm very committed to to to. You know, advocate for this to end, for us to move forward. We have a lot of good government reforms that we've adopted. It's going to run a lot better, I think, than uh, and, and it really empowers the members, uh, but also has some checks and balances in there and has some preventive measures. So we don't have to get a bill coming down the pike, shoved down our throats at the 11th hour without an opportunity to read it or debate it. Uh, and, and, and thousands of bills that are all smashed together, all different topics that are not germane. No, leader said we're going to bring up a bill that is specific to one issue, and then we're going to bring up a um, a budget that where we get the actual scores from the Congressional Budget Office to see the impact it would have, if any, on inflation. We're going to look. We're going to cut 
spending if we're going to spend new money. We're not going to just continue adding to our debt. Um, you know, giving us the three days to read the bills. These are all good government reforms. We all want them. So it's it's disingenuous when some of the members get up and say, well, they want a secure border and they don't want to see this $1.9 trillion, $1.7 trillion bill be jammed down our throats just as it was right before Christmas, because none of us want that. Leader McCarthy doesn't want it either. So uh, their fight is truly with the Democrats, not with the other members of the Republican Party. Uh, we are all in agreement on these issues. We want to secure the border. We want to ramp up energy independence. We want to make sure we tackle inflation. We want to start paying off our debt. Yeah. We want to do all these things. But in order to do it, we need to elect a speaker and we need to be sworn in and we need to adopt these rules changes and we need to start passing the legislation we said we would. Yeah. And let's hope that that happens soon. Uh, U.S. Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis uh, from New York, um, Great Republican, and we love always having you on the show. Congresswoman, thank you very much. Please keep us posted. Thanks, Rita. Great to be with you. Have a great night. Thank you. You too so much. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. You just heard from Congresswoman Maliotakis, who is right there in the middle of the fight, uh, as all the members are on the floor. And she is hopeful that this will get wrapped up soon and says it's time for the Republicans to get down to business, what they were elected for. How much of a distraction is this? And does it bother you that it's dragging now into day four? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. It is Groundhog Day on Capitol Hill. Uh, tomorrow is day four of the voting for House Speaker. Uh, this has not happened, by the way. Um, in 1923, it went to a ninth round. It has already gone to an 11th round. So tomorrow it goes to a 12th round. And you just heard from Congresswoman Maliotakis, who said she hopes that these holdouts, the 20 holdouts, that at least a big portion of them will come over so they can start to get to work. What is your reaction to all of this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Congressman Don Bacon describing those holdouts. Take a look. The House is shut down. We're not working on the issues that we campaigned on, like lowering inflation, securing the border, uh, supporting our law enforcement, standing up to China. None of this is happening. All our committees are now shut down, and it's on these 20 people. They're embarrassing the House. They're embarrassing the Republicans. They're embarrassing our country. Or are they fighting for a noble cause and trying to make a statement? That's what Congressman Andy Biggs has to say. Take a listen. He's on the other side. I believe if you want to make change, you have to make change. Maintaining status quo is not an option today. I believe we've reached an existential crisis in this country. I look across and I see... The left has captured virtually every institution. It is time that we reassert ourselves and put America back on the road to recovery. So where is this going again as it goes to day four tomorrow? 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to BJ, line six. BJ, your thoughts. 
Well, it's nice to see Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Santos are, are such friends is what I've been witnessing. But the, yeah, the by, two... by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. I saw them like <laughs> laughing and giggling. And I'm thinking, what are they laughing about? Like, uh, by the way, uh, Santos is a laughing matter, but that's a whole other story. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, two things. Uh, one, uh, number one, very important. This this entire McCarthy Fandango has revealed that we have another type of swamp creature, the self-dealer. These are the three people, the main ones, uh, that went into McCarthy's office and told them, unless you give me a committee assignment, we're not voting for you. They didn't go there and say, unless you vote hard conservative, constitutional conservative will vote for you. They said, we want to be in charge of these committees. So that swamp creature has emerged. And, you know, that label fits anyone, any one of these 20 that have stepped forward now uh, and, and have basically halted the government for the rest of us. Number two, we need a convention of states that will limit terms uh, uh, and will also put a cap on spending. And Andy Biggs is anti-convention of states. He voted against it in the state of California, uh, of Arizona. So that's what we need to re- see real change so that this type of disgrace never happens again. That's an interesting point, BJ. Um, And your point about the ones who have gone in and said, give me a leadership position or else, that doesn't sound like they're after the American public. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue story, a powerful story with a football connection, and it comes from Tampa, Florida, where police officers rescued a helicopter pilot after his aircraft lost power and crashed into the waters off of the Davis Islands. Now, Tampa police said the helicopter was finishing a sightseeing tour for a family of three when it lost power on the way back to the airport. Now, the helicopter apparently made a loud banging noise before losing power, causing the pilot to make a water landing near the Davis Islands Yacht Club. One of the survivors, a guy named Hunter Hupp, said, I was in the front and I asked the pilot if we just hit something. He said, no, but this isn't good. Fortunately for the helicopter's occupants, Tampa football Buccaneers quarterback Blaine Gabbert and his brothers just happened to be in the area and heard the crash. When they went to check it out, they spotted the survivors' life jackets and rode their jet skis to the crash site. After the Gabbert brothers saved the family of three and got them on their jet skis, Marine Patrol officers with the Tampa Police Department immediately went in and pulled the helicopter pilot also from the water. After the pilot was pulled out, body cam video showed him saying, the engine, I think, just quit on me. To which the officer told the pilot, glad you guys all got out. Now, the body cam video also showed the officers getting the Gabbert brothers information after the survivors were taken to safety. And an officer told them, way to be in the right spot, man, at the right time. What a great story, first of all, about uh, somebody who's great on the field and off the field, uh, Blaine Gabbert and his brothers. And, of course, the great work of Tampa police officers saving this family and also the pilot. And that's why I always love sharing the stories and honoring all of our great men and women in blue. Well, we are talking, of course, about things getting very heated on the floor of Congress. Today, 
things definitely ratcheted up. I mean, here it was day three. They've done 11 votes. They still haven't gotten at least 20 members to budge on the GOP side. Uh, first, of course, they brought up Byron Donald. They brought up Jim Jordan. They also brought up Steve Scalise. Now a few other names emerged. And today, this is what Mark Thiessen, a conservative Republican strategist, had to say if this drags on. He says this doesn't look good for Kevin McCarthy. Take a listen to what Mark Thiessen had to say. If Kevin McCarthy can't wrap this up, you know, on the 10th vote, the 11th vote, and that, then he's not going to do it. And, and, you know, and, and it means that he can't do the job because if he's if it, what's the job of the speaker, the job of the speaker is to cut deals within your caucus, to bring the disparate factions of your caucus together and get things done on the floor. If he can't do it to get elected speaker, how's he going to do it on legislation? So is this a sign of how chaotic the GOP will be once they start governing or is this just a little bump and an exercise in democracy, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Here's a little bit more from Mark Thiessen, who took a swipe at Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert, who are some of the most stalwart, basically holdouts at this time. Doesn't look like it's shifting on the ballot. I mean, we're going to the ninth ballot and the results are the same over and over again. And what's ironic here is that the people who are doing this, first of all, the opposition to McCarthy is not uniform. So like Chip Roy is a serious guy who is, you know, he wants to empower conservatives Mm -hmm. and make sure that they try and get some of these reforms. Then there's some of the other ones are like they're like the Joker and Batman. They just want to see the world burn. You know, the the, the Matt Gaetzes of the world, Lauren Boebert, who barely won her district. She's in a Republican district. She barely won reelection. These are the people who are the reason why candidates in their image are the reason why the Republican majority is so small. And it's as a result of it being that small, that's why they're empowered to do this. If they had a 20, 30 seat majority right now, Kevin McCarthy would have been speaker days ago. So where do you see this headed? Well, listen, Matt Gates threw out another name today. Listen to who he suggested should be the speaker. Gates. Donald John Trump. Trump. Donald John Trump. And he wasn't the only one. Steve Bannon, of course, who is a longtime trusted aide of President Trump's, has his own podcast. And on the podcast, he explained why he thinks Trump would be the ideal person right now to be House Speaker just for 100 days. He doesn't think it should be. He thinks she should still run for president, but he could take a break from running for president for three months and be House Speaker because he sure knows how to shake things up. Listen to the logic of Steve Bannon today explaining why he says Trump should be the speaker short term. You want to talk about a national security problem? You want to talk running around? We got national security. Got to get Kevin McCarthy right now because this is a national security problem. We got all those guys, the military veterans. I honor their service. Honor their service. National security issue. National security. Here's the national security issue. He's spending a trillion dollars a year more on the defense budget, which is out of control, on interest. That's a national security problem, and i got a solution. And tell me anybody's got a better solution for right now, for this afternoon. Give it, hey, how about this, 100 days of Donald Trump. Let's get him in the room. You don't think their heads will blow up? You don't think that uh, the Senate, oh, you can't do that. You got Trump? What are you talking about? You, you want to put it in their ear? You want to get up in the grill? Give me Trump for 100 days. You give me Trump for 100 days and you'll start the process of sorting out this mess. And the fact that they hate it so much is the better reason we ought to do it. So I got a solution. I got a compromise. Put it all to bed this afternoon. Trump for 100 days. Who's in?
Trump for 100 days. Who is in? Do any of you guys think? By the way, that would certainly shake things up. Um, and, of course, a lot of people supported him. Maybe then in the meantime they can work out the deal and then Kevin McCarthy comes in. But could Trump for 100 days uh, certainly would break up the swamp. There's no doubt about it. Can you imagine? He would be like, okay, day one, we're doing border, we're doing Hunter Biden, we're doing COVID, we're doing this, we're doing... He would have a ball. He would be like, okay, I want to subpoena this person, I want to subpoena this, I want to subpoena that. It sure would be interesting. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on line two. Mike, your thoughts about uh, Trump for 100 days or somebody else. What do you think? I mean, it's not a bad idea at this point, I don't think, you know. I actually think, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think obviously a lot of people are facetious about it, but I actually think it would be interesting to have a temporary House speaker who really shakes things up. And certainly that party, that group, uh, you know, he would certainly appeal to the Lauren Boberts and Matt Gates and all those guys. Definitely. He definitely will. But I don't, you know, I don't think this is I think the news is making this worse than what it is. I think, you know what I think is wrong? When 212 people vote unanimously for one person without a bat of the eye. That tells me that these people aren't self-thinkers, that they're going along with the party. Don't get me wrong. Some of these guys are hard, hard, hard. They're, they're, they're stuck on what they want to do, you know? But if they find somewhere in the middle, they're, they're going to be able to work together. Well, that's why I, by the way, that's why I actually, and you hear me, Mike, that I don't actually think in some ways this is a bad thing. I think if it drags on forever, obviously that's another issue, but I think short term, I mean, it doesn't make McCarthy look good. It doesn't make the GOP look good. They should have been hashing this out in private before it even came to a vote. And then whatever, whoever they voted for, whether it was McCarthy or whoever, it should have, you know, it should have been a lot more seamless, but I think the idea of debating, and I think some of the, uh, at least a number of them, clearly, I think, have good intentions and wanting to talk about, you know, angry about this this omnibus bill, bill that was like shoved through last minute, the $1.7 trillion. I mean, that was just outrageous the way that was done. Fiscal responsibility, um, making sure that they have a greater say. Listen, that's why they were voted in. That's what their constituents want. Too. So I, I don't begrudge the fight. I think there is something. I, I liked what Maria Salazar said that, like, God, if it was in uh, Cuba or somewhere else or Venezuela, they'd have a firing squad for, like, you know, def- going up against the, the leaders in the party. Um, and I think healthy debate is a good thing. The question is, where do you see the end of this, Mike? And how do you see it ending? I see it. As, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. I, I'm totally for that. Let's hear everybody's thoughts on it. But if you become disagreeable, then that's something different. Then you're doing it just to, to make some sort of stance for whatever that may be. Yeah. Think, and think, and by the way, Mike, that's Mike, that's one of the things like we just heard Nicole Maliotakis, the congresswoman, saying that a number of these, a few of them behind closed doors are saying, hey, I want to be leader of this committee. I want to be. That sounds very self-serving. As opposed to saying we want, you know, uh, the right kind of people to be in this position. If if, if they're jockeying for their own, you know, uh, advancement as opposed to the advancement of the party, then that is a problem. I mean, some of them, uh, you have to wonder what they're asking for behind closed doors. Are they trying to blackmail and say basically, uh, hey, you know, if you don't uh, pick me as leader of these three committees – then I'm not going to vote for you. That's not the way it should go. It should go, hey, here's some of the rules that should change. Whoever goes there, uh, then that's a noble fight. So um, I hear you, Mike. Very interesting. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don in Virginia. Don, your thoughts about where this goes? Well, I want to address that congresswoman you had on earlier. Yep, and then uh, Nicole Maliotakis, yep. Uh, she's either ignorant or she knows what she said and is purposely avoiding it. What she said is that McCarthy is cutting deals left and right. Now, here is a man who wouldn't talk to the caucus or, or, or the conservatives before the uh, midterms, thinking he didn't need them. Now that he needs them, he's crawling to them and starting making deals left and right. This is a man who, who didn't stop or didn't put up a fight with this omnibus bill and any other uh, um, a spending bill that came across the desk. And yet he's cutting deals. But then what she said to me is crucial, I think, that he needs to be we need that or they need to have a speaker before those deals can be uh, become official. Now, as far as I'm concerned, McCarthy cannot be trusted that if if he has to be voted in as speaker, he could turn right around and said, well, I really don't think this is going to work. You know, we've done some investigation, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, the, the only problem is, Don, he did agree um, by many Maybe. accounts. Hang on one second, because he did agree by a number of accounts that he would vacate his position if one person agree- doesn't want him to stay there. I mean, if you think about that, that's almost political suicide, you know, um, and he did agree to that. Um, so. That they could say, hey, you didn't stick to your promise. That's a pretty easy thing to get rid of him if he doesn't stick to the promises. Uh, One person just vocally comes out and and says something. So I I think that he would be bound to a number of these things, especially because it has gotten so heated. I think now he would have to. The question is um, what, like you just said, you know, there is some concern that he was flipping and flopping on a number of issues. What she's saying is that a lot of these things were agreed to before some, not the one person vacate, but some of the other things were agreed to before and that she believes at least two or three of the people are just really holding out because they want to sort of gratify themselves and get higher up on the pecking order. Um, as opposed to what they're really talking about publicly, that they're saying privately something different is what they want. And that's not, that's not appropriate, but I think the fight for uh, fiscal responsibility and more uh, representation from American public and a number of these things. I mean, I, I agree. I think the the swamp needs to be, uh, you know, vacuumed out and whoever can put some pressure on that, I think is a good thing. So I, I absolutely agree with a lot of what you're saying there, Don. Uh, let's go to Eric line two. Eric, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Trump for 100 days, that's, that's brilliant. I'd love to know who thought of that. Um, and it would also keep the the rhinos in line, some of the Republicans. And I, if I could see Mitch, Con- Mitch McConnell's face when he hears that Trump is going to be, that would be, I actually be great. Think, I, I actually, you know, it's funny. I actually think it would be kind of interesting right now to have somebody yes, in yes. there who would kind of clean up shop, right? And then if it goes back to where it turns out to be McCarthy after that, then it's like, okay, here you go. You know, here you can have it back. I'm I'm going to continue my run for president. I mean, it'd be really fun to see who he'd subpoena. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, it would be Biden and Pelosi's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> he would get a lot done. He would get a lot more done. It would be that he that actually it might be the best thing um, because, I mean, Rita, I, I heard that they were blocking McCarthy 
for a lot of personal reasons, things they wanted. I mean, that's just what I heard. So, you know, it's, well, and that's it's, what that, it that's seems. Really, and and really that and that shouldn't be if you don't agree with some of the policies and and some of the flipping and flopping, which he has done some of that. That's understandable. But if you're sitting there because you want to be on a committee and he didn't put you on a committee, that's not, you know, the right reason to do it. Um, you know, boy, that definitely is not. Uh, let's go to Steve. Line eight. Steve, your thoughts about this? Yes, there's an early precedent for a former president going back uh, humbly to the House of Representatives. John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, who was also an ambassador to Europe and a lawyer uh, who famously represented uh, the Amistad trial, returned to the House of Representatives after he served his term as president, and he was very successful. And he made um, a lot of friends. He was a very brilliant man as well. I wouldn't be surprised if a former president could show the humility to do such a thing and stir the pot up at the same time. But it's not the first time it's happened. Now, would you suggest that Trump be that person, Steve? Uh, Why not? He is a former president. Yeah, and he certainly knows how to stir the pot. I mean, there is no doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, So when we continue, everybody, we're going to take your calls. Do you agree with Steve and Eric? Uh, that Trump for a hundred days may be the best brilliant short-term House Speaker, and then he hands it back to you know uh, Kevin McCarthy or whoever it turns out to be. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. The Rita Cosby Show. Coming up in the next hour, President Biden has a solution for the border crisis. Give the illegal migrants an app. That's really going to solve everything for them. And he doesn't say a thing about border security. In fact, what he talked about today was basically getting more through quicker, getting through this electronic process. So we can just kind of hasten the process. And he is going to the border. He's going to El Paso. We're going to talk about that in the next hour because, boy, Uh, He seems clueless. He also called, by the way, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris president and couldn't get his stats right on fentanyl to save his life. So there's a lot to talk about there. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. Meantime, some Republicans are throwing out President Trump as the House Speaker just for 100 days to clean up the swamp and then hand deliver it to somebody else. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy on line one. Ted, your thoughts about this? Yes, uh, I got the perfect solution for all of the Republican naysayers and uh, ones who are just uh, want to create friction and chaos. Hakeem Jeffries would be the perfect person to be the Speaker of the House. You mean the election denier, Hakeem Jeffries uh, from New York? You're talking about the Democrat, right? Uh, Rita, you know, please don't be disingenuous constantly. My colleagues are calling me up on the telephone. Teddy, 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 let me just tell you one thing. Hakeem Jeffries questioned the electoral process. He questioned President Trump being an illegitimate president. So he did do that, actually. So you should really look at your facts but Rita, before you call me. He didn't go out and demonstrate and cause chaos and be, and, call, and cause, By the way, by the way, by the way, Teddy, Teddy, hang on one second. And you can call me tomorrow about January 6th because it will be an anniversary tomorrow, which Biden will happily celebrate uh, at the White House, which he will every day is January 6th. 
to President uh, President Biden. But President Trump also didn't go and protest at the Capitol either and go into the Capitol either. So, you know, uh, Hakeem Jeffries is clearly the Democratic leader, but he's not going to be the GOP leader. But uh, yes, he did question uh, President Trump's legitimacy. So uh, you have to be fair when it happens on both sides, Ted. We'll take your call, though. I'm sure you'll call me tomorrow on January 6th, your favorite day, too, Teddy. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Adam on line six. Adam, go ahead. Hi there. Um, yeah, I think that you guys have no idea what's coming for the Republican Party. I mean, I'm sitting with a bag of popcorn watching this right now. You, uh, Trump, was the, Trump has lost you guys the last two major elections. You had the worst showing ever of a GOP constituency uh, in this midterm. And yet you're doubling down on the QAnon, you know, election denier crazies that have infiltrated your party. And you're even talking it's not, about bringing first of all, the very Adam, First of all, Adam, it's not my party. That's one. Um, and two, um, in terms of President Trump, there are a number of people who are throwing his name out and he's still packing stadiums, Adam. I mean, I, I think you're foolish to count him out. He is the only person who's announced he's running for president so far. Um, obviously, you're a Democrat, um, but who knows where this is going to go? Clearly, there are problems in the Republican Party. I'll give you that. Um, and there's no panacea right now, uh, but he's still turning out a big, big crowd. And people counted him out when he went down the escalator, and they did it at their own peril. Let's go to Pete. Line seven. Pete, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, my prediction might come true. I've been yapping about Trump being uh, Speaker of the House for a long time on all the shows. And truth of the matter, I think it would be the greatest thing, you know. And then that Steve Felice, he, you know, he got shot. He knows what violence is. I mean, he would really speak up for us because right now our country is in chaos. I mean, I went to Manhattan the other day and in the streets, forget about it. The tension you could actually, it cuts you like a knife. You got to walk around. You got to be ready to defend yourself. Well, that's, Pete, you bring up a great point. The the country's in trouble and you need fighters in there. There is no question. And that's why, you know, when I hear even the ones who are fighting, you know, the the holdouts, um, I think some of their intentions are are noble. I don't like when I hear people, you know, say, oh, they're, you know, they got to fall in line. I think a, a good, healthy discussion is not a bad thing. And I think just pushing bills through without, you know, people in the party looking at it is an issue. Let's go to Judith real quick. Line six. Judith, you're real quick. Hi, thanks. Um, I'll just call you Judith. <laughs> I want to I want to tell Ted. Ted, listen. This is not called chaos. This is called democracy at work. We're allowed to basically decide who should be the proper person because it's a very important position. Chaos is what's happening on the border with the Democrats. And- in fact, you're right, Judith. And in the next hour, Mallorca still says the border is secure. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, Sunday is the day. I can't believe he has been in office basically 50 years. 
He has been president for two years. And now, finally, President Biden has decided he's going to go to the border and he's going to go to the border town of El Paso. So he claims, and I say claims in quotes, because he claims that he wants to see the situation. He won't even call it a crisis. So to me, this is the biggest bunch of hogwash. It is a total photo op. It is clear that he's just doing it for public relations reasons. He's totally just doing it because even now some Democrats are complaining about the crisis, the catastrophic crisis at the border. He can't even get out the word crisis. He basically just says, oh, there's some issues at the border. And at the same time, he has his head of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, who absolutely said today, yet again, that the border is not open. The border is secure. So it's like uh, if you go to AA and you've got a drinking problem, if you don't admit you have a drinking problem, then you got a long way to go. You're going to be in meetings for a long time until you finally admit there actually is a problem before you ever want to fix a problem. So the fact that he is in such denial that there is a problem and denial that he's caused a lot of this, his administration's policies, all they had to do was keep what President Trump was doing and things would have been a heck of a lot better. There was a secure border under President Trump and Mexico took President Trump seriously. And they were even doing some enforcement because he said, you better do it or else. And now it's a free for all on the border. And President Biden just says, well, gratuitously, I'm going to do a visit at the border. I would love to be a fly on the wall if border agents actually get access to them to actually say what they really think. Or are they going to be micromanaged where only a certain few will actually have access to the president? Maybe the two or three uh, that say, oh, it's not that bad. And the other, you know, 200,000 will get access to them. They're like, fine. One or they're like, say, hey, uh, if you go over there, we'll give you some chocolate ice cream with President Biden. You know, you'll get a little perk or something. I, I think, by the way, I'm being facetious because I think any border agent that actually talks to this president will tell him the truth. Because they're all hardworking men and women down at that border, and they know it is wide open. They know it's a disaster. The question is, will President Biden actually see what's going on? Will he talk to the migrants? Will he see how many are actually crossing? Will he come back with some epiphany like, oh, boy, I didn't think it was that bad? And why is he doing it now? Could it be because he's about to announce, I think, that he's going to run for president again? He wants to look like he's doing something albeit it is so half-hearted and so pathetic. But what are your thoughts about all of this in terms of the timing? And do you really think uh, that this is just, you know, basically pure politics, pure photo op, just to say, hey, I went to the border. Uh, He was flying over. He's going over to Mexico City for this Mexico City summit with President Obrador uh, and also with Trudeau of Canada And they're going to talk about the border. So he's flying over there. I guess maybe he feels it's unavoidable that he has to, like, somehow stop there. At least he can say, oh, yeah, I was in the area. Uh, But to me, this is just such a bunch of hogwash. And when I heard today what he looks at as some of his solutions, we're in big-time trouble on the border. It's going to get a heck of a lot worse because I heard zero solutions from this man. I heard just more smoke and mirrors and the most pathetic attempt 
at sealing the border in any shape or form. He basically wants to hurry up and expedite amnesty. There's no doubt in my mind. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. First off, here is President Biden just a little bit ago announcing his trip to the border for the very first time in his political career. Next week, I'm going to travel to Mexico, where I'm going to meet with President We have a big agenda that ranges from the climate crisis to economic development and other issues. But one important part of that agenda is strengthening our border between our nations. And I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso to assess border enforcement operations, meet with the local officials and community leaders and the folks at the border sending me what they need that they don't have and make it public what they conclude they need they don't have to try to convince my Republican colleagues they should do something. And I know that migration is putting a real strain on the borders and on border communities. They can't do anything but that. We're going to get these communities more support. Blaming the Republicans. Did you hear that? Like, oh, it's the Republicans' fault. Is there anybody out there who believes that? 1-800-848-9222. And in the middle of this, here is his solution. This is why I think what he is doing is such a joke. He says, oh, I've got this great idea. I'm basically going to allow people that are coming from four different countries, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Haiti, where he says the predominantly most of these illegals are coming from. He doesn't use the word illegals, uh, but he says the migrants are coming from. Um, I'm going to make sure that when they get to Mexico, they use this app. And this app is basically going to allow them to expedite coming into this country, to be vetted. So then by the time they come here, they've already been vetted. Doesn't that sound to you like a fast track to citizenship? And wait a minute. I thought most of these people are leaving really bad situations. Uh, Many of them have just dire situations. They're with the cartels and everything else, and they're going to have an app. I mean, that seems a little bit like... Hey, I got a perfect solution. You're fleeing, uh, according to Biden, uh, the worst of the worst, and you should come to this country. And my solution is not basically to give you shelter, to give you this. I'm going to give you an app that's really going to keep you warm at night. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go. This is cut to. This is him describing this app. If they're seeking asylum. They can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E, CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? So... All they have to do is basically find somebody who will be, quote, a sponsor in America. You know it's going to be like uh, Joe from Brooklyn, and that name's going to be used by like 10,000 cartel members, and they're going to be running the app. You know, I mean, this is just, it is crazy that that is his solution. And then if it doesn't get crazier, he doesn't even know about fentanyl. He has only basically said the word fentanyl. I've heard him only say it, I think, like once or twice. I think I've heard it once. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he'd said it another time. But he's only said it once, and it was on opioid overdose day. Um, And he didn't even say it in relation to the border. He just said, oh, fentanyl is is a dangerous thing. And now let's move on, because he didn't want to draw attention to the border. 
And remember, he was asked when he was at a border state prior to the midterms. Remember, he went to Arizona and he was asked, oh, are you going to go to the border today? And he's like, nah, I got more important things to do. No, no way. Not a problem whatsoever. So, I mean, this is so politically orchestrated. So now he comes out today as if he's the expert on fentanyl. And remember, just the tiniest dose of fentanyl can actually kill somebody. And in fact, in basically New York alone, they have confiscated voluminous amounts of fentanyl. I mean, enormous amounts of fentanyl, just even in New York alone. And if you look at some of the numbers of just even the toxicity of fentanyl in millions of doses have actually been confiscated in New York on the streets of New York in 2022, just in New York alone, guys. And it is a so toxic and so deadly that just the tiniest amount, we had a DEA agent here who was on the show, Frank Tarantino, uh, the New York special agent in charge. And he was describing to all of us that basically it's like salt granules on the tip of like, say, uh, of an eraser of a pencil. And if you put it on, they're just tiny, tiny granules that you could barely see. Just a few of them would be enough to kill many people. And basically, if you found millions of doses of fentanyl, that could kill basically half the hemisphere. You know, I mean, that's how toxic it is. But listen to Joe Biden describe the way that fentanyl is. He doesn't even understand how toxic it is. He can't even keep his numbers straight. I mean, this guy is running the presidency of the United States. This is unbelievable. Listen to him. He is so out of his league when it comes to the understanding of the most dangerous drug that is killing more Americans aged 18 to 45. You would think he'd get his numbers right. Since August of last year, Customs and Border Patrol have seized more than 20,000 pounds of deadly fentanyl. That's enough to kill, kill as many as a thousand people in this country. 20,000 pounds of fentanyl. Now, 20,000 pounds of fentanyl would kill basically half the world, just so you understand how toxic it is. And he thinks it would kill a thousand people. Uh, This guy has no clue. And then he further is asked also, he's talking about, you know, the serious issue of the border and everything else. He can't even figure out if he's president or if Kamala Harris is the president. He called her the president again today. Listen to this exchange. This is cut number four. And this is him basically applauding his borders are the president of the United States, Kamala Harris. Well, President Harris led this effort, led this effort to make things better in the countries from which they are leaving. And thanks to her leadership, she's been able to generate more than $3.2 billion from the private sector to create jobs and opportunities in El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala. I'm thank goodness for border czar President Kamala Harris, quoted directly from President Joe Biden. Boy, are we in trouble, guys. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George. Um, with, uh, let's go to George on line seven. Go ahead, George. Hi, everybody. I think you're spot on. And, you know, if he didn't even have to go to the border. This is all optics. Because it, as president... You're supposed to know what's going on no matter where you are. You're supposed to be able to run the country from wherever you are. So if he didn't know, he should be impeached. And if he did know, he should be impeached. Plain and simple. So now why do you believe just because uh, either he knew 
um, and has ignored it, which I absolutely think is the case. There's no way. How could you not know? Don't you think, George? I mean, all you have to do is turn on, you know, one news station. If you watched, you know, uh, Fox News or Newsmax or any of the conservative media, if you watched it for five seconds, you would see that there's a river of people coming on any given day. Um, and all you have to do is ask my orcas, hey, uh, uh, Alejandro, privately, how bad is it? You know, I mean, I think privately he would give him the honest answer. I mean, so to me, I can't imagine him not knowing. What do you think, George? Well, I think that he's just a stooge. He's a puppet. And there's a bigger force that's going that people around him want this thing. They want this to happen. They want actually 10 million by the time he's finished. And that's going to happen. And he's just doing what he's told. He says it all the time. He says, I've been told to call on this person, this person. Uh, we're working out the, um, uh, the details of going and dealing with the board, going to the border. What details? You buy a ticket, you go. He doesn't have to buy a ticket. Just go to Air Force One and go. Right. What and then, details? and by the way, did you hear what he said today? This was interesting, George. He claimed part of the reason he was waiting to go to the border was because of Title 42. He said, I was waiting to see what was happening with Title 42. I mean, what a bunch of hogwash. Uh, he didn't have to wait to go to Title 42. He could have gone, you know, whatever. He could have gone in the last two years. He could have done. It just showed he's never cared about the border. Um, and I agree with you that he is being guided, but I seem to think he clearly has the same intent because if he genuinely cared about the border, he would have gone even while he was senator, you know, and he didn't go then either. So it's like, uh, what border? Who cares? And, and it's shocking to me at a time where we are so worried about our national security and worried about crime and so many issues. It is just it, it is a dereliction of duty. I agree with you, George. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. one 800 Biden says, hey, migrants, don't worry. Come on in and we'll give you an app. What do you think about that? The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So how are you going to fix the problem at the border, Mr. President? You say you're going to go to El Paso on Sunday. I bet it's going to be one of those little quick popovers. And second of all, he will not say the border is a crisis. It's like that word can't come out of his mouth. Take a listen to how he described the situation at the border. Today, I'd like to, the vice president, I'd like to talk to you about uh, how my administration is dealing with our situation in the southwest border. Now, uh, these actions alone that I'm going to announce today aren't going to fix our entire immigration system, but they can help us a good deal. Uh, No, they can't. Not if you call it, oh, it's a little situation. It's a little problem. We've had five million people have crossed the border illegally, Mr. President, since you've been in office two years. Can the country handle any more? And wait till Title 42 is lifted, likely in February. It is going to be a floodgate. People are thinking maybe 13 million under this president. And yet, Alejandro Mayorkas... Listen to him. He continues to tell this lie over and over and over again. Is there anybody who's buying this hogwash? This is what he said just a few hours ago, the head of Homeland Security. The border is not open. We will continue to fully enforce our immigration laws in a safe, orderly, and humane manner. 
The border is not open. So you really think that this president is going to go down there with an open insight? You know, Mayorkas is going to be right by his side saying, look, we told you. Look over here. Don't look over there. But look right over here. There are two people and they're having uh, ice cream with me. Look how happy they are. Look how great things are. You know, I I mean, it is going to be smoke and mirrors city. And they're still going to say, look, uh, nothing to see there. It's like a volcano erupting. And someone goes, oh, what volcano? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Howard, line seven. Howard, your thoughts? My thoughts um, is, uh, you know, in history, people have gotten extra names like Alexander the Great. Biden's going to be known as Biden the Boob. Biden the Boop? The Boop or Boob? Boob. And why? And now why? Because he's just a buffoon. Is that sort of a shortened version for a buffoon for you? Yes. <laughs> That's not bad, Howard. Thank you very much. I think I think that might be a nice name. Um, I think there's some other names I could think of, uh, but I can't say them on TV and on radio. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Phil. Line eight. Phil, your thoughts about Biden the boob? Yeah. Before I before I go on, Rita. Good evening, by the way. Um, before I go on a bit, did you notice, have you been listening to Biden's speeches over the past three days? You notice the very upbeat, coherent tone that's starting to become evident in the way he talked? Not really, but go ahead. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got a wife who's a college graduate. She's no dummy, and she's been, she's been listening to it. She's got it on recording, played it back. Does she let me let me ask you, Phil, does does she genuinely think he sounds coherent because he called today? I mean, I do think the upbeat is correct. I do think he's sounding like a little bit of skip in his stride. And I think he's had that since the midterms a little bit. And he loves seeing the fighting on the House floor right now. I'm sure he's thrilled about that and certainly loves the I doesn't mind throwing out. He's going to go to the border while House is, uh, you know, fighting amongst themselves. But he also screwed up and said that, you know, Kamala Harris is the president, you know, so he's not that coherent. No, no, no. When I, when I say coherency, I'm not speaking about cognitively, solely cognitively coherent, but I'm saying his manner and his presentation and his, 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 his fluidity is there. This guy's is, this guy is starting to sound more, more efficient in the way he speaks and the way he, he's presenting an argument. Now that's probably because they got him on a new medication. Because my my wife my wife had dealings with uh, some schools where they had kids who were kind of like possessed. They, some of them were like the Biden syndrome. You know, they couldn't put a straight word out after medications. These these kids were were okay. So Biden's got to be on some kind of medication. But you know, oops, I just if, lost you, Phil. Go ahead. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, if one of these politicians lost. A, a grandchild or two, or a close friend from fentanyl. I wonder what would be what would be the reaction that these people would have. Would they be so well that you know it didn't come from the border? Or they say, Rita. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, uh, I tend to think that first off, the way Biden talks about obviously any personal tragedy that's happened in his life, he talks about it over and over again. And I, I don't begrudge him on that because. You know, I think obviously there are things that did affect him tremendously and his family. So I understand that. So you're right. Maybe he would be able to understand it. But what I find shocking is that how pervasive fentanyl is that it hasn't. 
touched one of their lives. Or if it has, uh, they don't talk about it publicly, not necessarily him, but maybe somebody else in the cabinet, because so many Americans are affected by fentanyl now that I find it almost inconceivable that somebody in the cabinet or, or their cousin or brother or somebody hasn't been touched by it. Uh, the problem is Biden doesn't want to acknowledge it. But your point's an interesting one because I do think he is a little more alert. He still can't figure out who's president and who isn't president. Um, but there is, does seem to be a little more coherence or a little more, again, energy in his stride. So you're right. Maybe the meds are working. Maybe it's a new one, but it's not going to fix the border. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, where we honor our great military and also their family, a beautiful story coming from Tennessee, where after his 26 years of service in the U.S. Army, John Titlow has spent his years trying to help other veterans as the commander of a VFW post, VFW 5154. He acted also as an open listener and dear friend to many veterans struggling with PTSD, and in many cases, simply in need of someone just to talk to. And so this week at the VFW Hall, he was surprised with the Colonel Aide-de-Camp Award, which is the highest honor that the governor can give a Tennessee citizen upon receiving the award Titlow stood before all and said, you could give me the Medal of Honor right now, and I take this over that. He also seemed very surprised and thanked everybody who served alongside him. He said, it's also not about me. It's about all of you. It's about those who I fought with. Uh, Humility is clearly one of the reasons that he was also selected. And he further said, I appreciate this from my whole heart. I really do. This drives me to do so much more for my brothers and sisters. And how beautiful that he was honored for his work, not just during the military, but everything he is doing now for veterans, especially those struggling with PTSD and helping them now at the VFW Hall. And I love doing these stories every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great, great military and, of course, their families. Well, we are talking about President Biden, who announced just a few hours ago that his visit is going to be this Sunday to the city of El Paso, the border town. Boy, I can't wait to see what he actually gets to see, who he talks to, who he gets access to. Will they limit it? Will they just kind of let him talk to one or two people? Or will it be sort of a free-for-all? Because if it's a free-for-all, he's in trouble uh, because the facts are the facts. They have had, just in the last 90 days, over 100,000 illegal migrants crossing into El Paso. So much so that the citizens there are feeling overwhelmed and overrun. The shelters can't house anymore. They're literally putting them on the streets. Some of them are sleeping with those metal sheets. You know, after people run the marathons, you see them with those metal sheets just to sort of keep warm. You see them sitting now on the streets in El Paso, literally like mothers with little kids or kids by themselves even with these like metal sheets sort of protecting them just to keep them warm because there's no room there. There's just no room there. And also 
there are citizens there. I've talked to residents that are in El Paso, and they say they're scared to death that migrants are showing up at their house in the middle of the night. One woman was telling me how, like, she had somebody peeping into the window looking at their daughter. Uh, That's kind of scary. Finding clothes, like, in their ranch, finding clothes in the barn, finding them crossing in the middle of the night, hearing them crossing, breaking into their homes. I mean, this is a scary situation. So is that the El Paso that President Biden will see? We'll find out. But today when he was asked, why haven't you gone to the border? You have been in public office, as we know, for decades. Again, he's been at the White House, as we know, for two years. Doesn't seem to think it was important enough, right? Uh, But now the reason he said he hadn't gone sooner was he was trying to work out the situation with Title 42. That is a load of blank. Take a listen to him. How did you decide that now is finally the right time to visit the southern border? Republicans have been calling on you to do this since the beginning. Because Republicans haven't been serious about this at all. Come on. They haven't been serious about this at all. I wanted to make sure that I knew what the outcome, at least the near outcome, was on Title 42 before I went down. We don't have that yet, so I had to operate. I don't like Title 42. But it's the law now. I have to operate within it. It's, my prediction is, and not, it's not nothing particularly insightful about this, Title 42 is going to go away before the end of the year in terms of the Supreme Court, my prediction. And then we're going to have to use Title nine, Title uh, 8. 8, right? Am I right? Yeah, Title 8. 8, 9. <laughs> and uh, which, is, which we can implement what we're doing here plus some other things. But so I wanted to make sure there was a rational way in which we could begin to announce it. But I couldn't wait once the Supreme Court ruled that they're not going to make the final decision on Title 42 for some time. Yeah, right. So I had to wait till Title 42 and then I was going to go down to the border. I mean, that is the biggest bunch of baloney I have ever heard. And the only thing that could top it is he doesn't even know he's president himself. Take a listen to how he described things today, complimenting his, quote, borders are Kamala Harris. Well, President Harris led this effort, led this effort to make things better in the countries from which they are leaving. And thanks to her leadership, she's been able to generate more than $3.2 billion from the private sector to create jobs and opportunities in El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala. Isn't President Harris the best? I mean, the fact that he's first complimenting her is obviously, what has she done? I mean, the fact that just shows that he's not sincere about wanting to fix anything. Because if he was sincere, he'd fire Mayorkas. He'd fire Kamala Harris. He would basically say they're not doing their jobs because anybody could figure that out. A one-year-old could figure it out, you know. Uh, But no, he's very happy because they're doing what he wants. And is there any doubt that he's going to actually change his policy when he goes down to the border? Uh, Is he going to come back and say, boy, they've been lying to me this whole time and I've been shielded from ever watching TV for the last 50 plus years? You know, I mean, that's the only thing he could say is that he's lived in like, you know, one of those like, uh, you know, uh, cylinders, you know, (laughs) like they put him in a time machine. And he wasn't allowed to watch TV all this time because if you turned on the TV for five seconds, you'd figure out the border is wide open. The numbers show it. You don't even have to see the video. You just look at the numbers. So that is why the head of the Border Patrol Council, like Brandon Judd, said this visit is likely not going to accomplish anything and that border agents do not trust this president 
or this administration. Listen to what he says. Based upon what Secretary Mayorkas just said, it's not going to be a good reception, and it shouldn't be a good reception. When you hear rhetoric that the border is not open, when all of the evidence clearly shows that the border is wide open, um, you can't expect Border Patrol agents to be happy about what this administration is currently doing. And here is a little bit more from Brandon Judd, who just said he doesn't buy with this administration, trying to pretend like now, oh, they got a solution. An app? I mean, what a bunch of baloney. Go ahead. That's the nicest thing I can say. If they actually implement that, yes, it is It is going to be a game changer. It, if When you look at the rule that they're proposing, where you have to claim asylum in the first safe third country that you come to, that is a game changer. That is something that we have been pushing for forever mm-hmm. since this administration took office. Um, so that would be a game changer. If we actually um, use Title 42 properly and, and we exercise that on all people that cross our borders illegally, that would be a game changer. It all comes down to the execution and whether they're going to implement it properly. That is where we're skeptical because we have seen this. He is already two years too late to the party. And the only reason that he's coming to the party now is because you have Democrats that are currently saying, we're tired of what's going on. We're tired of all the Hmm. chaos. We're tired of you putting the burden on us. The the burden has to fall back on you. That's the only reason that he's coming to the border today. The only reason he's coming is he needs to say, yeah, I did go there. Even the Democrats, a number of them are frustrated. I mean, we've heard even, you know, New York City Mayor Eric Adams complaining, but he's not pointing the finger at Biden. He's pointing the finger at the issues and how many are coming into town. And by the way, in the middle of all this, uh, there was some interesting news that happened. Um, if you're going to rely on Mexico to somehow help you, uh, first off, you've got to be tough with Mexico. Uh, second of all, uh, this is really interesting. In the last few hours, they arrested the son of El Chapo, you know, the, the El Chapo crazy uh, drug dealer, the cartel leader, right? So they got one of El Chapo's sons, Ovidio Guzman Lopez, who is uh, a drug dealer, just like his dad in the family. It's a family business, right? So he was arrested a couple of years ago. And you know what happened when he was arrested a couple of years ago? The cartel actually opened fire on the prison. And also, by the way, took hostages. And suddenly the Mexican government gave them up because too many people were being taken hostage. And the price was too severe. It was too brutal. It was too violent. It just showed the cartels were running. So guess what? They arrested him. I don't think there's any surprise they did this. So then now President Biden comes. They can say, hey, look, look what this big bust that we got. Look at the big progress we're doing. He's going to the border. And now El Chapo's son... I bet you uh, an El Chapo sandwich that he's going to get out like a few days. Suddenly the cartels are going to open fire uh, maybe a day or two after President Biden's there, maybe even before or while he's there. Not on him. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying uh, they are going to try to get El Chapo's son out again. And I bet you the Mexican government will acquiesce uh, probably maybe a few hours after President Biden takes off of Mexico City. And is he going to see the real Mexico City? Because when I was in Mexico City a couple of years ago, it was like, duck. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like, uh, look how beautiful things are. You know, if you think the border at El Paso is a, is a tough spot, uh, there's some really tough spots in Mexico City. It makes uh, bad places in New York look like paradise. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete. In line eight in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Pete. 
Hey, Rita, you there? I sure am. For you, I definitely am. What do you think, Pete, about Biden claiming, okay, he's finally going to the border and his solution is an app? Hey, they went after the, uh, going after the, uh, one of the cartels. Guess what, Rita? Why don't they go after Hunter, the president's son? You know what, Rita? I'm sick of all of it. And you know, the in-house fighting down in Washington as a Vietnam vet and living through and for my country, I'm done with all of it. You know what? Screw them. We're done, Rita. This country is over with. Now, let so, me let me ask you, Pete, because I know um, I know of your great service, obviously, um, and I appreciate it so much. You know that, and and that's why I, I really want to hear your perspective when you say we're done. I mean, when you're looking at what's going on uh, with the House of Representatives at a time where there obviously there's a lot of infighting. Um, there's a report that maybe they've reached some sort of a deal, at least to get some of them over, but it doesn't look like it's enough to get over to to Kevin McCarthy yet. So it may continue another day or two. We'll see. Um, maybe more. Um, but do you feel like what? It's time to get down to business. How do you view what's going on uh, with your great background, Pete? Well, Rita, as 71 years old and what I've seen and viewed in my life where I live, I'm going to tell you, Rita, honest, quite honestly, I think this is all crazy world. It's ridiculous. You know what? When I saw Hakeem Jeffries, that radical leftist, and I and I know I'm going to pee, pee off a lot of people in New York State and all around the country on your program when I say this, a radical leftist, Hakeem Jeffries, get 212 votes. I watched the numbers, Rita. I could not believe it. And that's when I gave up. I said, you know what? I'm going to bed. I'm through with all this crap. But you know why he got the votes? He got the votes because the Democrats stick together. So every Democrat voted for the person and the Republicans are still trying to figure out who they want as the speaker. So unless, you know, I I don't see a scenario where he's going to end up speaker. God forbid some Republican tries to cut a deal with Hakeem Jeffries. I don't see that happening. I see it, you know, somewhere it's going to end up, whether it's Kevin McCarthy or somebody else. Exactly, Rita. But, you know, the point is, and here's my point, Rita, quite simply, very well put, my point is to all this madness that's going on in Washington, unless we get some real leadership in Washington, Rita, I'm sorry, excuse me, Rita, unless we get real leadership back in Washington, the swamp is going to grow exponentially, not, not exponentially, or whatever they call it, exponentially. We're never going to get a real government back in this country. That, you know, you know, Rita, and I'll tell you why. And here's simply put: these people don't work for us. We the people anymore. We work for them. We. I've been paying taxes all my life. We know where all this is leading to. It's all about one party rule. We know where this is heading, Rita. Come on. Get, you know, let's get real, folks. Let's get real. Wake up, people. This country is being taken over by the elites. And George Carlin had it right. That's all I have to say, Rita. Thank you. By the way, and I love George Carlin. And I love you, too, Pete. Thank you and appreciate your service. Uh, let's go to Larry, line seven. Larry, your thoughts about what's going on, especially in the border. <sighs> Okay, you know, I agree with Pete 100%, you know, and I have to confront everybody, including you. I mean, why don't you just say like it is? You know, I heard a Republican pundit 
the other day a woman i forgot her name she's she was hailed as being like the great one of the greatest pundits she said that Biden's doing this so so that his son doesn't go to jail. I mean, I don't hear I don't hear you enunciating wait, 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 that. Wait, what do you what do you truth. mean? What do you mean? He's what going to the border so his son won't go? To, explain that. What he's orchestrating all these facades, all all these all these uh, these these falsities. These it's all an act. And you saw you heard his voice go down about two, uh, two octaves. No, no, no. What I what, what I'm what I'm trying to figure out, Larry, is how are you connecting those dots? I don't think him going to the border or him doing whatever you, you're talking about in the house is that what you're referring to? This the mess in the house. See, I think. It's inevitable. No, I'm not referring to the mess in the house. I'm referring to the fact that he appointed this guy Mayorkas to be the head of Homeland Security. He was Barack Obama's head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. He constructed the DACA program. But how does that affect? How does that affect Larry? How does that affect Hunter Biden? I don't understand. You're connecting the dots. How? Because oh, because they're overrunning the country, so this country never gets back in the hands of Republicans, so they can prosecute Hunter Biden. Is that not obvious? Now, th- by the way, I hear where you're going, but two things. First off, it's going to take a long time to get to, even if he says tomorrow it's amnesty, which I think Biden would love to, and I agree with you on that, and Mallorca has been a disaster. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, but I don't think that that changes the process. I think any person who is going to be leading the Republican Party full steam ahead. They're going to be starting to subpoena records from Hunter Biden. They're going to look into bank records. They're going to look into, did the money go to the big guy? Is Biden indeed the big guy? I mean, there's so many questions right here. And I don't think uh, none of these things that you're talking about will will supersede it. I think uh, they'll obviously keep trying to push that. But there is no way that I think people will drop the Hunter Biden case, um, especially many of the people that are there in the, you know, in the House right now. You look at Jim Jordan, for example, who looks like he will remain as probably head of the oversight committee, uh, the new oversight committee. Once they get sworn in, he's full steam ahead. You look at James Comer. He's full steam ahead. I don't see the I don't see the connecting the dots. I hear you. I think. Uh, both of these things can happen at the same time in terms of going after Hunter while uh, Joe is trying to push for amnesty. I think he'll try to do anything to not have Hunter investigated. They're hiring tons of attorneys and everything else. Uh, I don't see it avoiding the truth. And I see eventually the House getting access to those documents. But I think you're right that it will not happen quickly. I think they'll try to, but they're going to fight the subpoenas. They're going to do all the things. It's okay for Republicans to fight. It's not okay, I mean, for the Republicans to fight subpoenas. But it's okay for the Democrats. Talk about a bunch of hypocrites those people are. And we'll see them in action as soon as they get those subpoenas. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Larry's theory is interesting. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, Biden says he's going to the border, but he's blaming Republicans. And he's calling Kamala Harris the president of the United States. Uh, this is just all smoke and mirrors. And listen to Judge Janine's take on all this. 
It's very hard for me to applaud Joe Biden, and I'll tell you why. The speech today pretty much says it all. The speech that he gave today, a quote is, the process is orderly, it's safe and humane, and it works. This guy is going to gaslight us when he goes there. He's going to talk about how great it is. Mm -hmm. He's not going to talk about the mess. he isn't going to talk about the mess. He won't even call it a mess. He's like, the situation is if he, like, somebody stubbed their toe. Five million people have crossed the border. We've had a hundred thousand fentanyl deaths, leading cause of death. Americans, 18 to 45. I would say it's a crisis. It's beyond a crisis. And it may be irreparable thanks to this president. Let's go to Rick, line four. Rick, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, sorry for falling asleep on you last night. It was the long day. Oh, wait a minute. When did you fall asleep? I, I think we went, oh, we went to you and you weren't there. How could you ever fall asleep? Uh, Rick, this will never happen again, I promise. I was there, but I was only half awake. I was trying to tell you about... Well, you, then you know what? Then, then you were like Biden today, half awake. Yes. yes <laughs> so that's all right. Half, half, half <laughs> as coherent as Biden. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, God. Okay, so go ahead, Rick. Anyway, I was trying to tell you, um, UN Agenda 21 biodiversity map, if you look it up, you'll see that the future America does not have a border. And my big joke for the night is that he's going down to Mexico to design an escalator from Mexico to the United States. By the way, I think he would love it because then he can get more of them in illegally, faster, quicker, whatever works, uh, because he doesn't seem to care. And, And it's downright frightening let's go to jeff line five jeff your thoughts hello rita uh i i agree with uh, something you said two quick uh, things about the border and one one was the first part of your show give trump 100 days as the speaker he gets things done he has the record reader you know remember he had all them uh, uh investigations russian collusion blah 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 they were chasing him down he didn't care he worked like a dog he got so many things done including closing uh closing the border and now we got President Harris, who's making it worse. She is the president, after all. The other guy's asleep. He's really not the president. Uh, yeah, Biden. well, Biden, you know, Biden said she was the president today. It's like the twentieth right. time he's ever that. said and, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but and 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 then, Rita, of course, the, the pity of it. And you know, and and some of these people, like um, the governor of Texas, um, what's what's his name again? I, 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 Abbott. Um, Abbott. Yeah, he's doing really, you know, so many different things that that uh, he wouldn't normally do. It's like working in wartime, you know. It the is. El Paso hospitals, they're overrun. Migrants, influenza, fentanyl, COVID, forced you, you know what? You know what's interesting, Jeff? You brought up a lot of the issues. It's going to be interesting if Biden goes and sees that. And I can't wait to hear his assessment after the visit. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.